have this thing in my head that you were like a really bossy kid. I don't know if I was bossy. I don't think so. I'm more, um, um, were, were you, was there an artistic kind of end, end to things? Uh, yeah, well, I was always like my whole family is pretty creative. So I um, grew up in a really creative household and we were always outside playing and uh, just playing in the garden, just making candlesticks out of mud, candlestick holders out of mud and perfume out of flowers and, you know, running wild pretty much for a lot of our youth. Where was this? Well, in Ballybrack, and then also we lived uh, in the summer times down near my grandparents down in Wicklow. So there was a lot of beach, a lot of beach time in the summer. And um, yeah, so I don't know. So we were very creative. And then in school, I really loved art. And that was really my favourite subject. And I always wanted to do it, but then I didn't do it. I ended up doing geography, which I loved. And then that led me into the whole building conservation through studying in geography I studied the English and Irish landscape which was all about vernacular housing and it's the influence of the housing through the landscape and the materials and I really loved all of that uh, so then I did I ended up going that was into, in Trinity right that was I was in Trinity and then I went away for a year and then I came back and I did a master's in Sheffield in um, heritage management and building conservation and then that was the road I went down for... Hang on, so why, why, what was your fascination with, with architecture and, and was it the layout of a city or was it the way people live or was the history inside buildings? It was the history of place, which I hated history in school, which is really funny because I hate just history the way it's taught. I hate trying to remember names and dates and what happened in the past and it didn't relate to me. But I think I really love the history of place. So it's like when you get to a location, what happened in that location spanning back in time. So with houses and buildings that are historic, it's about looking what happened throughout the history of the house um, or structure and why was it built like that and who built it and then who lived in it and what changes were made and the material that it was built with and why was that material used and then how to care like conservation is basically caring for the built heritage so it's figuring out why it is eroding or being damaged and then working out how to repair that in the most appropriate manner so i was just really interested in that and then started studying that for years and then worked in that and studied in that for about 10 years. And then the recession came at exactly the same time as I, just for a laugh, did a stall with Ammo at the Electric Picnic and when we did the first Mad Hatter's Tea Party. And when I came back, when I came back to my desk after the Electric Picnic, there was no conservation emails because I went out, I actually started being a freelance conservation consultant in 2007. And I was going grand with that. And then 2008, August, we did the picnic, came back and there was no emails. And I thought it was because I'd taken a month off work to do this yeah. stall. But actually it was August 2008, which is the when the whole... Are you sad that you didn't get to do that kind of work, continue on working in... Because the history of the city is... You, you, well, I still <coughs> do it though. 
comes to, well, it comes into, like it comes into it. So I, so I'm a building conservation consultant and I run the Dublin flea market and I have the Queen's Neon and they all are about spaces, historic spaces in the city. Most of the events we do are in historic spaces or grand houses or... So you don't, it, it's not a business thing for, for you in the sense it's you're, you're putting culture back into a city. Mm. Well, is that the, was that the most important thing in, in setting up? Don't, don't, go, don't go too ahead of me. You know, uh, mm. you're, you know it, when you moved here to Sing Street, yeah. was that a purposeful, I want to, uh, to live on Sing Street? Or was there, a, was there a little short list of places that you wanted to live? Um, no, at the time I was looking for, it was more about the house. And I was looking for about two years I was looking for about a year and I was looking for houses and just kept looking for houses in my price range around the city it was kind of on the south side because I'm from Ballybrack so do you want tea? yeah please yeah I am from Ballybrack so I think it was always going to be on the south side of the city because I go in and out to my parents and so I was looking at places, I don't know, all around, every, all the way, like off, you know, up kind of Dundrum, Klonsky, I don't know, everywhere. And uh, then this house came on the market, the, one of the very first houses I saw, and then it went off the market. And then a year later it came back on the market and it was protected and it was really, really like damaged and poor condition and not very many historic features so but it, it, it intrigued you to as a as a project to yeah i thought it'd be a great idea <laughs> like i did not know what i was getting myself in for really like i work in building conservation so i knew but it's totally different working on other people's buildings to working on your own it's about finance and it's about hands-on and it's yeah when i was uh oh milk yeah I was project manager and I don't know, it was just difficult. I had like real cowboy builders. Milk? Yeah, just big. Uh, sugar? No. And yeah, it was just really hard. I had a full time job working. Oh, what am I doing? That's not to go in the fridge. Um, I had a full time job working for uh, Carrig Conservation. Which are a stone a stone consultancy company in Dublin. So I was working for them full time. It's quite interesting what you do now and, and, and this sort of almost a previous life of different, a different mm. would you go back to it? Do you think you probably do this for ten years, you know, doing the market and doing Queens in the uh, What are all the other bits and projects that you have in your head that you haven't told anybody about? Uh, there's a couple of conservation projects that I would love to do. But it might be when I retire. <laughs> I don't know. You know, as another. But I don't think they are possibly things that I have time for in my life at the moment. You don't have much time. I don't have a lot of time. Well, I mean, I have a lot, I have as much time as anybody else has, but I just fill it with a lot of things that make makes me feel like I don't have a lot of time. But in fact, I have the same amount of time as somebody who has too much time. You know. but you, there's a lot of energy to it. I, I've always known you as very 
forthright and energetic and, and you, you do a lot. Where does that come from? Is that your mum or your dad? Or just well, I think that I... School? Um, only a quarter of the... of the, I don't know even what you call it, but it's like of my mother. My mother doesn't even know how to sit down. I cannot sit down. My dad said on her gravestone, it'll say, I rest, I rust. Like her epitaph, he said, there's no other, but she just doesn't know how to stop. So at least I can sit down. I know that I can sit down and relax. But, yeah, I tend to get excited about a lot of things. Well, you're very excited about the food you're eating, because we're, we're eating and talking at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm starving, and you're interviewing me, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> there's, no, there's, no, there's no time for it. You know, you can have a conversation over dinner. Of course you can, yeah. yeah. I want to drink my tea as well. So obviously, the, as you say, that changed a lot of things for a lot of people, this 2008 thing, right? Mm. Which I'm quite fascinated by in regards to my own work. Um, how did you react to the feeling, or did you have those feelings of, shit, I don't know, what, what am I going to do? Like, I think I was really lucky because... You know, a lot of people were like, oh, how did you reinvent yourself to find a new job? But I didn't have to think about it. So if I had been working in building conservation and actually um, if I had realized that the recession was going to, you know, tear the arse out of the whole construction industry and I had to think of another job, I don't know what I would have done because I don't, I you know, I wouldn't have known what else I would have got into. That's a really scary thought to, you know, try and map out another job that you're not qualified to work in after you've just spent the last 10, 11 years studying and working in another field. But it just happened so... Uh, I was just serendipity. Like It was just the right time, the right place. Everything fell in. I opened the flea market in November 2008. And I did the flea... The, uh, Mad Hatter stall in August so I just started getting really busy in those two areas while the conservation just dropped away and now every so often I get a conservation a job of conservation an offer of a conservation job um, which I used to kind of juggle up until last year and then last year I just didn't have time Queen's Neon really just took over as an everyday job so now I don't do the conservation, which I miss. I don't miss it in my daily life, but I miss the fact that when I don't do it, my knowledge uh, gets, I forget things. Like I forget when I'm looking at a building and I'm like, oh, what's that called again? And I can't remember the names of the detailing, which annoys me because... I don't like forgetting things. It's like a piano player just you know, stops for 20 mm. years and takes a well, while to get, get back. I learned the guitar for five years and I can't remember a chord. I'm not a chord. I can't, I don't know how to play, read music. I used to be able to read music. I used to be fluent in French. You know, there's a lot of things I used to be able to do. But, but you're, it, what, you, what you, you, you seem to naturally do is just think on your feet. So mm. I'm leading into, you, you felt there was a need for a flea market because we hadn't had flea markets in so long in, in Dublin well I'm addicted to flea markets and I used to go 
It's your favourite one, isn't it? You've got one, this one in Berlin, isn't it? Did, did well, I used to go, like years ago, I used to go all around the markets in Dublin. That'd be like my favourite thing to do on a Saturday. And I'd go to, you know, around to like Mother Redcaps, but then that went. And then there was like Blackberry Market. Um, and then up to Railway Street, up to the St. Vincent de Paul and, you know, different places or the the auction houses. And then they all started getting really poor, like Black Blackberry Market was just terrible at the end. And um, so then they kind of got really bad throughout the whole boom. And I wanted so I didn't think about setting up a flea market I just wanted to have a stall possibly at a flea market but there was no flea markets to have a stall at and it wasn't the right time because it was the boom and nobody was buying secondhand and then I met up with Ashling Rogerson and we were having this big conversation and I was saying to her like I really wanted to have a, you know the, like I'm really into flea markets and and it hadn't been the right time, but maybe this was the right time because the recession was kicking in and maybe it was a good time. And then Ashling's very much, uh, she just makes a decision and it's made. She was like, well, why don't we do it? And Luca, who she was friends with, was working in the co-op and they had a big cute sign up saying, we're looking to rent this space. So she mentioned to him, he was like, oh, why didn't we do it here? I was already doing the car boot sale up at the Burner Show with John Mahon. Um, which I was up the very first one because I was so excited that there was actually going to be a car boot sale and um, then we put the first flea market together with just through Facebook and asking people and it was it just worked so we just kept going from there so we started off with like 25 stalls and now we have 80 or 90 <coughs> well Christmas we have over 100 that's huge though that's just like mm. <laughs> that's out of hand that one mm. but, but did it do something else for you did it did it create a sort of a community of a, a, a bit of a family that you could rely on it did so much more than we expected I think that initially I just wanted you know somewhere that there was second-hand stuff that you could buy and browse and haggle. And then when the flea market started taking off, there was so much that we hadn't envisaged that, you know, loads of people were using it as a springboard to test out their product for businesses. Loads of uh, the second-hand shops now that are in Temple Bar and around all started at the flea market and they'd have a stall at the flea market for a couple of months and they would then get the encouragement through having that stall and people buying their stuff and market research. And then they got, you know, a rent on somewhere. And uh, there's loads of businesses who started up with Flea. Like, we don't really know how many, but there's definitely people that started there that now I walk into a shop and I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? And they have a little store somewhere. But so there was like all of that that was really good. And then there was a whole community of people that we got to become really good friends with. And also then it was really nice seeing at the very start of the flea that there wasn't very many traders. Like people were scrambling stuff together and they had a flea stall, but they weren't actually traders. And now there's a whole, you know, community of traders that people who that is their livelihood. They go over to the UK, they buy furniture, they come back, they sell it at the flea. And since the flea... Um, started up in the co-op there's been like a couple of other markets 
in the co-op there's the brocante and there's pure vintage and um there's the fusion market and then there's the halfpenny bridge market and there's just a couple of markets that have started up and and you do feel responsible a little bit that you kind of helped me spark all that. we don't feel i don't think i feel responsible but definitely uh Oh, there was it. there was no like when when another flea market started up, it, there was always a feeling of that's great. Like there was no ever feeling like oh hang on a second is that going to jeopardize our market? It was like the more the merrier. This is brilliant. And so really it was about if if our market encouraged any secondhand market culture in Dublin, we were delighted. We don't know if it did. It was the right time for it. It was the right place for it. Um, but maybe when one opens and other people see that that is working, maybe that gives some people encouragement. And if that happened, we're delighted, you know. But I'm not quite sure. I'm sure people would have done it anyway. We wouldn't, you know. If some, if we hadn't done it, somebody else would have done it. I think it was just the right timing. You seem to be the the, the, the perfect conduit for to bring all of that because you you kind of. I always imagine that you know everybody. I know a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I you know. I just your sec your degrees of separation are, are a lot less. Well, I think I just had a. I've just been in the city for a long time. Like I'm doing different things, and sometimes I don't know how the hell I know people. It's like either, like I met so many people, um, parting over the years. I met so many people working in gruel. I met so many people working in conservation. You know, there's so many different uh, people I've met through different walks of life that I just, um, I don't know, just clock them up really over the years, I suppose, you know. Um, so would you ever think of moving? Um, Did you ever, were you ever sick of Dublin? Yeah, well, I left twice. I mean, I lived in Sheffield for a year. I lived in Bordeaux for a year. And then I went traveling for nearly two years. And then in 2007, or 2006, when I was sick of hearing myself complaining about the culture and how society had become in Dublin and I just really hated it I hated the boom but I didn't you know you're just kind of in it but you just I just didn't like the city and I didn't like how people became so I how did they become they just became can you describe that well I think that my dad said to me once that I'm not an uptown girl I'm a downtown girl and I was like Oh, what's that mean? Then I thought about it. I was like, oh, that's really good. Because I hate, you know, I hate shopping centres, department stores, labels, uh, people thinking they're great driving in their big cars. Like, I don't really give a shit what you have or what you don't have, as long as you have time to say low and you're decent. And um, it's about respect for each other. And I think that in the boom... That was the res- mutual respect was kind of taken over by people thinking they were better than other people if they were in a, a certain situation. And I think uh, success, like people think in Ireland that, you know, you're happy if you're or you strive for to be successful 
instead of happy maybe and success in the boom was having money and I think that for me success not, achieve, not achievement yeah. yeah like success for me is achieving your goals or achieving a certain like success to me is being happy really do you know if I think if you're really happy then that's successful you know you're yeah but some people who have a lot of money mm-hmm think that by having a lot of money and being able to move that money around and to be powerful, they, f- they feel that that's success and that makes them happy. But obviously it did because it, there was a whole lot of people who fucked everything up first. So, But it's a false happiness though, isn't it? You know, so they think it makes them happy. Yeah. But it doesn't. Like it feeds the ego maybe. Not enough to drive you out of the city, though. Um, what are you saying? Say that to me. Say that to me again. <laughs> that you, you, you didn't really want to permanently leave. Do, do you feel a, a, a sort of attached to Dublin? Oh, well, yeah, but I mean, I left in two thousand and six because I hated the way the city had become. But you just went on a break. I'm talking well, no, about... I kind of went to see if I wanted to live somewhere else because I was sick of it. I didn't know. Nobody knew that the recession was going to come at that stage. Like it could have just kept going and kept going. And I was like, I don't really want to live here. So I left and I went traveling and I went to, I, mean, I went all over the place, but I ended up in Melbourne for three months and I ended up in San Francisco for three months thinking that maybe I'd maybe move there. And then it was like the last two weeks of me traveling on my own for a year and a half. And I ended up in uh, Honduras and I met Amo and we were hanging out. And then we rented this house on an island and it was the most beautiful house. It was this like French uh, designed house built in like 1940 so but he'd lived in Japan so it was like kind of Japanese art deco unbelievable house on an island and we rented it with a bunch of people and we went over this is my last week of my travels and we went over and everybody apart from Ammo wrecked my head like they were just they were just not my people at all and I was like, so I just spent the whole time getting stoned and going snorkeling and Ammo just spent the whole time reading her book and we kept like, you know, going, oh my God. And, um, get the hell out of here. Yeah. And I realized that actually you can be, that was my epiphany. It just came at the right time. It was like after traveling for a year and a half, I was sitting there and I was like, okay, you can be anywhere in the world. You can be the most beautiful, like this was the most beautiful place I had ever been. It was spectacular. And I was like, but if you're not with your friends and your family, really, nothing is really worth it. So I came home really happy to come home and decided that I would just make the most of it and ignore the stuff that I didn't like and just look at the glass half full and be more positive. But sure, then, you know, a year later, after coming home, the whole recession started. So then it all became downtown. So I was delighted, you know. This is more my... Yeah, it's totally more my cup of tea. And, you know, and that I think that in... You know, that suits me. That whole recession vibe suits me. It's just like flea markets and bespoke events or things like that that are much more to do with 
I don't know, just the gritty side of life is what I like. And so it just, yeah, just was good, good timing. Hey, yeah. Here's Lola. Mm. Lola's I just, wish somebody could interview you. She's a pure terrier, yeah? Well, Jack I Wilson. don't know. I think sometimes I think she's got a little bit of a whippet in her because she's got long legs. But then she is a lady. Aren't you? I don't know. She had um, six puppies and two of them in the same litter. Two of them were Staffies. Two of them were Jack Russells. And two of them were Border Collies. And I met her son, Rory. And he is a full grown, like, sheepdog. The size. Like. Okay. So she was obviously gang raped. That's nice, isn't it? Mm. Really good. So, you went to Electric Picnic. Oh, I am. I am. Oh, it's neat. All right. Mm. I'll get you later. Mm. So, this flea market's running, and obviously the Christmas one's really, really busy. You, and you can see all these people like you've said and you just thought maybe you could make something sort of do something of your own as opposed to facilitating and well yeah I just thought that but the, when, when when the Quins and Leon kind of start uh, as, as, a, as, a, as an idea and because that, that's separate isn't it or it's not separate but it's a part of which now Quins and Leon is like obviously a, a, this outside thing events and yeah so there was two there was the Queen's of Neon which was originally myself and Ammo Downey and she left because she's a pharmacist studying addiction therapy so she's gone on to do uh, she's doing amazing stuff and then so that basically has evolved into a business it was never set up originally as a business and I definitely have struggled with it changing from me just being creative to me being a businesswoman which I need to embrace more I definitely because that's not that's not downtown no that's not really downtown but it's also I'm stepping out of my comfort zone which is the creative part and I'm stepping into my non-comfort zone which is pricing proposals pay slips um, you know, just all of that stuff that is very admin based. So I spend a lot of time doing a lot of admin and now I um give work to a lot of creative people and a lot of time they're doing the creative stuff. And I'm definitely the creative director and there's the overall you know, there's definitely an overall or overarching something that I play an important part of but a lot of the time the make and do is done by other people while I'm doing emails and proposals and talking to the clients and but I think that maybe you just have to get through that hopefully till you get to a certain stage that you can can back into writing yourself into making and doing while somebody else maybe is doing a bit of the production and project management and um, the admin maybe 
It doesn't seem like you're at, at ease with that job, you know. When you're when you when you're describing it to me, it, it sounds like you'd rather be the other side. You'd rather be up up the mast, with, you know, unfurling sail, you know, as opposed to oh fuck another email. Yeah, well, I don't. Um, I definitely don't. That's the thing that frazzles me. I definitely get frazzled because I have three email addresses, two Instagrams, two Twitters. Three Facebooks. Now another email address with because we've got another website because we've started this whole sheepskin thing. So it's scarfskin.com. And I think that with every additional thing, like I'm definitely an ideas person and I love the idea and it's really exciting and I go through it and I actually do manage to like get the idea done. But then I'm not really mad about the whole continuing of the admin side of those you know, I would love somebody to come in and help me with the admin. But I've got, uh, uh, you know, a great team around me as well. There's Carrie, who is doing a good bit of Queen's Neon. And so I'm doing the scarf skin project with her. Um, and yeah, so it's, I think it's just about managing your time and focusing and not trying to do everything at the same time. Is know. this how, you remember I asked you earlier on? How do you, yeah, maybe. How do you cope? So, I find that I, uh, that I cope, I mean, sometimes I don't cope, you know, sometimes I get really frazzled and my brain is going at 100 miles an hour. I feel like I'm not coping as well as I could cope. I think that how I do cope and how I'd like to cope more is by getting out of my head, which is because when you have things going on all the time, it's like your brain is taking over and my brain is the predominant organ of my entire body that's working so it's like nothing so it's like I've come out of you know I'm not I think that you can get less grounded by when you're just thinking all the time so I think that like how I cope is meditating and going for walks and getting back into nature and because you have the dog you know Lola's kind of yeah Lola's very calming I found that myself with yeah. my with Lolly. You know, yeah. like, you just bring, but even walking with her, bring bring them, yeah. and it just yeah. it slows you right down. Yeah, but even you know that I think before I got Lola, I was always like walking from A to B, and now when I've got Lola, I'm walking. So it's like you're that's your time yeah. to turn off, and yeah, I think that. Is there a sense that you should just do everything, say yes to everything now? Well, last year was my year of saying yes to everything. And this year was my year of saying no to everything. So I've said a lot of no's this year. And I think the two combined are really good research. Because last year I did an awful lot of work, earned a good bit of money. But it wasn't really work that gave me a lot of satisfaction gave me a big tax bill this year, which this year I've said no to a lot of things, but then I figured out, you know, that's made me with Queen's Neon stand my ground and figure out more of what the business is and drive it in a better direction. 
But I've also figured out this year, after I paid my tax bill, that I have no money. So I've said no to too many things. So next year, I think that it's the balance of figuring out what you want to do and what you have to do. Do you know, there's a bit of a balance between those two things to bring in an income. Um, Personally, though, yourself, Mm. from, say, now, and look back to 1999 when when you went to college, Mm. uh, do you you see yourself better? Have you learnt a lot more? I have learnt loads. Um, I think I was a lot more carefree and I was a lot more hedonistic and I, you know, I definitely worry more now and do I worry? It's kind of like I'm like, I've got, I'm kind of, I think that when you run your own businesses, you there's like something like something stops me from being able to to go out in the tear and let loose because I'm constantly going well you know I've got this to do and I have that to do and I need to get that done and so it definitely restricts me in my I'm not as uh like spontaneous as I used to be I'm kind of more but see I'm quite a control freak anyway so but now yeah I'm just definitely not as spontaneous and I don't party as much at all like I don't even party at all actually anymore like I was out last night and I was like oh my god I haven't been out in so long like it's not you know I mean I need to uh I need to go out more <laughs> definitely I need to party too it's become a bit serious or something I don't know if that's anything wrong with that but but I think it's about having a balance. I think that yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely work has become a bit too much. It's it's you know, I think especially with the Queen's Neon, it has become me. You know, it's like I work weekends, I work weekdays, I come home, I don't turn off, I dream about stuff, I wake up thinking about stuff. I'm constantly, you know, going, God, I need to do that, I should do that, I, oh God, this is a good idea, or like I haven't done that, I need to be email that person. And I think that it's about getting the balance of having, you know, having a great creative business, which I'm really lucky to have, but then also having time off and letting your hair down. Well, at least you know what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Just no need to get, to know where it when it happens yeah. to to embrace that, I guess. Yeah. Or to get you know get yeah. to party. Yeah. But I've been saying that I had like a good summer this year doing a couple of things. Like we went, I took the weekend off and I went up to Klein for uh, another love story, which was amazing. And then I ended up working for Home Beat Down and Kerry, which was, you know, like getting away and doing things, those things like, so you're doing uh, a fest, you're working at a festival, but it's really a working holiday, really. And that, they're kind of cool. So I have to build them into my time. Because I think they're really, if I can get a couple of things like that in a year, then that's great. So, what, and so can you see beyond Queens of Neon and, and the Flea? Or what would you do next? Well, um, I had a friend, I'm breakfast with a friend of mine, John Campbell, this morning. Mm. He just told me that he did three weeks on a boat from Bermuda to 
Portugal and nearly sank. Right. Do you ever think of doing deadliest catch? Um, Fishing boat kind of thing. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, I used to sail a lot, and I mean, I'll probably do stuff. I mean, I don't really think too far ahead. I think I'm no. I mean, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I should. It'd be great to live more in the now than I do and less in my head. But I don't. I don't really think really far ahead. Like I don't have a five-year plan. Do you? 